Welcome to the With a Dog podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Carly. And I'm Izzy. We find answers to all your dog questions so you can get the most out of life with a dog. Hey all, before we jump into this episode, we just wanted to give you a heads up about a few things. Uh, One, we tried a new way of recording our audio. It didn't work super well. It's not terrible, but it is something we're working on improving. So please bear with us while we work out the kinks of recording in quarantine. And number two, this is a content warning. We very, very briefly talk about the hardships of dogs passing away. I found it very therapeutic, but if that is something you're really sensitive to right now, then we just wanted to let you know. And last but not least, we have two very exciting announcements um, in the intro. One is a personal one of mine, right as we began, and then the other one is around minute 10-ish, and that is something that we're asking our listeners to take part in. So make sure you listen for that, and that's all I had for you, so enjoy the episode. I'm getting a dog! (laughs) Intro to the episode, how about that? I'm getting a second dog. We have just decided this week, and we're picking him up as well this week, his name at the moment is Jasper. He is a rescue from Texas and he was transported up to the Pacific Northwest and he's amazing. He's adorable. I love him already. Are you going to keep his name? I don't think so. I don't know. It's hard because I actually already know a Jasper child and another dog named Jasper. Mm. And so I don't really want the name Jasper, but his foster dad calls him JJ right now. And I kind of like that. Mm. It seems like he responds to that. That's cute. We've been wanting to do only like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings names for our animals because we're nerdy like that. Obviously Lupin is Professor Lupin like we've talked about. So I'm thinking maybe we could do like JR, something like JRR Token or like JK Mm. or like JK Rowling. I don't know. But JK, people would be like, did you name your dog Joke? Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) What's his name? What's his name? JK. And then you're like, just kidding. <laughs> just, just just kidding what? And then you just never, <laughs> what is never it? tell them the name. Uh, we'll see. We have to decide. There aren't many J names. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think of what rhymes with like Asper, like Jasper, the rest of the name rather than just the J. And all I came up with was Alistair Moody from Harry Potter, which then we would maybe shorten to like Al, which then defeats the whole purpose of it rhyming with Aster. Then also. My sister-in-law, we call her Al. And so... When you call him Allie? We call him Allie, but then people are going to think he's a girl. Moody? Call him Moody, but he's actually, if anything, Lupin's the moody one. This guy, (laughs) he's just so sweet. He gets along with all dogs and people. He actually wants attention, unlike our dog Lupin. And so that'll be an interesting mix. We had him and Lupin meet, and they got along great. They shared a water bowl and treat and seemed to be really good. That's going to be interesting to see how Lupin responds to another dog who wants all the attention like will he will he enjoy it will he be like wait just because I don't want the attention doesn't mean you can have the attention (laughs) it's interesting because Lupin does want the attention he just he doesn't react in a normal way that you would think dogs would or he I should rephrase Lupin wants the attention from us not necessarily Mm -hmm. the general public so he doesn't react in a way that you would think a dog would far as Mm. getting really excited and jumping up and licking your face back and things like that. He just kind of lays there and just is happy when he's getting the attention. And yes, I think he's going to be very jealous, but not in a bad way. I think, I think it's going to keep him alert. I think it's going to keep him on his toes. 
older <laughs> man and he can get a little set in his ways. So I think this will spice up his life a little bit in a good way. Well, that's good. So more to come on Jasper or whatever his name. You could call him J-Dog. J-Dog. It's <laughs> a good one. So creative, <laughs> is he? He's a dog and his name starts with J. J-Dog. <laughs> J-Dog. J-Dog. Uh, and that's cool. We might. Put some little sunglasses on him. <laughs> He'd be the coolest dog in town. I think the names are definitely like equal to their personalities. Like Lupin. It's like, oh, that's very unique and kind of odd. Just like Loopy. And then if you get <laughs> JR or JJ or something, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, he's very a happy. cool dog. Yeah. He's normal. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I will update everyone as JJ, J-Dog, JR, Alistair Moody, Jasper <laughs> sets in uh, to the home and how that's all going. So that's me. How about you, Izzy? What's going on? Um, not much to report here. Um, was actually meant to be recovering from jet lag at the moment because I was meant to have run the London Marathon this past weekend. Mm. So just mourning <laughs> that I don't have a medal around my neck right now. Oh, good point. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's just been like just a bit of a sad week, really. That would be hard. Yeah. It's just putting a lot of time and effort into training. Also, this was like the wettest winter on Seattle record. For anyone who doesn't know, Seattle is the rainy city. So for it to be the wettest on record, it has to be pretty wet. And you ran. <laughs> and I ran every day. <laughs> train. Every day in the rain. Oh. All for me just to eat like two pints of ice cream on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so hard when something you've been working towards for so long doesn't pan out. That's that's really hard. Well, you know that the other, I don't know, 50,000 people signed up for it as well. Also also in the same boat. Yeah. So at least, you know, misery loves company. Right. <laughs> but speaking of misery, I knew that my friend Izzy was struggling with this time. So I said, maybe we should start running together. And, you know, maybe that would perk her up, not together, but like follow a similar training plan and be fitness buddies and keep each other on track. Like we don't already talk enough with the podcast, but let's just intertwine our lives even more. <laughs> so I was thinking like, oh, like 5K, 10K. And Izzy's like, oh yeah, great. I'll come up with a plan for you for a half marathon. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So we're going to be real fit coming out of this quarantine, hopefully. Yeah. You already were, but I'll, I'll attempt I don't it. know. The past month, there's been a lot of ice cream. A lot of ice cream. But you've, yeah. still, you've still been running. You've still been kind of keeping on track. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was running like 30 miles to 35 miles a week. Now I'm running like 15. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's still a lot. For the general person, that's still a lot. That's very impressive. According to my Garmin, I'm still in like the top 10% of Garmin users. That is very cool. Well, I don't know. I want to be the top 1%. I mean, don't we all? <laughs> in all in all aspects. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's me. It's just been a bit of a bit of a wonky week, really. Mm -hmm. But um that phrase sounded really great with your accent. Oh, really? Wonky week. <laughs> a wonky a wonky week. You know what? I said that the other day and 
I said wonky. We had the whole family. It was Easter. We had the whole family on Zoom or Skype or whatever we were using. And I described something as wonky. And they were like, wanky. <laughs> I was like, no. Is this your British family? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then I was like, oh, this is like awkward on so many levels. Yeah, but they're all like, why is he bringing up wanking on <laughs> Easter? <laughs> Oh, so inappropriate. Those Americans have changed her. Right? Like I'm not an outcast enough. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, cool. That's our life. That's the update. Uh, yeah. They're, they're the life updates. Um, and, okay, so we'll just head on in um, and tell you a bit more about today's episode which we were actually both really excited about because me and Carly both worked in shelters before. And it's always heartbreaking. I mean, even if you visited a shelter and there's an older dog there and, you know, they generally just look sad anyway. And then surround them by the shelter environment is just even more heartbreaking. Um, And they do take a little bit longer to adopt. And we are so lucky that we have is such a unique rescue called Old Dog Haven in our community. Uh, they are very unique. They are 100% donation funded. Um, so they don't get any government money or anything like that. Um, and they do absolutely incredible work. So we were really excited to have them on just to kind of explore that area of the industry and hopefully maybe spark some inspiration in other communities to do the same. Yes. What do you think, Carly? I agree. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Yes, definitely. I think it was an amazing interview all around. Uh, It was with Ardith, who is the executive director at Old Dog Haven. And she was just so fun to speak with, really, really invested in this organization that you, you could just tell it means a lot to her, just the work that she does and the whole organization does. She actually is just a very interesting person as well. She's actually written um, a couple books and different publications, blog posts, newsletters uh, about senior dogs. So we'll include those links in the show notes. And then also, drum roll, please. I don't know how we can add a drum roll. I don't know if that sounds good. Um, but a week from today, so today is the 29th, um, a week from today is going to be the 6th of May, and there is a big campaign. It's called Give Big, and it's a time that you, it's two days, so the 5th and 6th, that you donate to your favorite charities. It's kind of like a focused donation day. Old Dog Haven had to cancel their usual fundraiser because of uh, the virus, so they are missing out on a bulk of their fundraising that they usually would have gotten this time of year. So instead, we are releasing this interview in the hopes that people can maybe donate within this next week to Old Dog Haven during this Give Big campaign. We'll include the link in the show notes. But then also, we are running a little campaign of our own that with a dog podcast, so our podcast, we are going to donate $10 for every person who leaves a review on the podcast. And hopefully that is a five-star review. (laughs) <laughs> but with just a rating and a review, if you could just pop on to whatever app you're using, usually it's going to be an iPhone app that, or excuse me, an Apple podcast app on your iPhone or iPad and just pop on there, write a quick review. It doesn't need to be super duper, you know, long and thorough. Great if it is, but just a quick 
note on how you're enjoying the podcast and we'll count all of the ones that we receive and we'll go ahead and donate $10 for each review that's left up to $500 total. So hopefully everyone can review within this next week. And then, as I said, we'll, we'll go ahead and donate to Old Dog Haven because it's a really great organization. Um, so grab your iPhone or your iPad and give us a review so we can gladly give away some money to a good cause today. Um, and I'm more than happy to introduce our guest today. Um, Ardith, welcome to the show. Well, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to talk to both of you. Yes, I know we've been in talks for a while now and with quarantine, um, we just haven't hadn't been able to to get our act together well enough until just now to get you on. So I'm happy that that we're doing this. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm really happy to to talk with you both. And, and I'm happy you thought of Old Dog Haven as something that you'd like to know about. Yeah, um, I have actually worked with Old Dog Haven quite a few times in various different um, roles that I've been in. Um, and I, uh-huh. just, I, I just love, I love everything about Old Dog Haven. Um, I do too. Coming from England, I had never really come across a rescue that was just dedicated to old dogs. And it's just so unique, so one of a kind. And, you know, it definitely does address that, um, you know, old dogs kind of get left behind at the shelters and whatnot. Um, but do you want to just start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you became part of Old Dog Haven and a little bit about the various publications you've written as well? Sure, sure. Um, my particular position right now is that I am the uh, executive director, and um, I've worn many different hats. I've been involved with Old Dog Haven for 15 years, and so I've been a board member and board president, and uh, I edit the newsletters and do the blog, and, and I counsel people on end-of-life decisions and grieving and, and that kind of thing. And so um, this is an organization that is very close to my heart, and it is, as you say, amazing. Uh, we are, are unique in that we're the only one of its kind in, in the state of Washington that actually places dogs with families in private homes. There are a few dogs in the United States that uh, actually have sanctuaries for senior dogs, but um, they are more of a, um, a kennel shelter kind of situation. And so we are unique in that sense, and we have we have become, according to people who know these kinds of things, the uh, the largest senior dog rescue in the United States. And wow. if you, yeah, yeah, wow is right. <laughs> and and to tell you the, the 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 wow part of it is that 15 years ago, our founders Judith and Lee Parker, who live in Arlington, went to a, a shelter in Seattle to adopt a couple of older dogs, and were just appalled at the number of senior dogs that were sitting there in shelters just dying by inches because no one really goes to a shelter to adopt an older dog. They like young dogs. They like puppies. And so they both said, this just can't be. We have to do something about it. And so their intent, as is often true, the rescue community sort of got the word, and pretty soon there were people that were offering to foster dogs. And so we have grown in 16 years from from having two dogs in our care to over 300. And we have foster homes that are scattered all the way up and down the coast of, of Western Washington, all the way from from Blaine to Olympia, and even a few in in Southern Oregon. And so we are regional in the sense that the dogs that we take in are from Western Washington. People have said, well, why don't you expand? Well, 
sure, that would, that's easier <laughs> said than done. That's easier mm-hmm. said than done because it takes. Uh, you know, we have well over 200 foster families, and so it's we've become we've become quite large. Yeah, um, it sounds like it. That sounds. Yeah. It's so impressive, just what you were saying. Um, how much you have been able to expand throughout the region. Oh, we have, and it is just it it, it has morphed. We have not intentionally uh, grown, but the need is enormous. There are so many senior dogs out there in shelters and some with private individuals that and other rescue groups that are homeless for a whole variety of reasons. And they just, as I said, they sit in shelters um, being unadoptable. And the, the the trend we found it interesting over the years is that initially when Judith and Lee first started, there were what we call young senior dogs in shelters that were relatively healthy, maybe needed a few things tweaking here and there, but, but basically were adoptable. And so we were adopting out dogs. And that, and that trend continued until about 2008. But now at this point, 100% of the dogs in our care are what we call final refuge dogs. They are permanent foster dogs, and they live with us until they die. And they have uh, medical issues, uh, emotional issues, mental issues, all kinds of things going on that would make them not necessarily appealing to the general public. Although I, I must say that I think shelters these days are doing a better job of being able to adopt young seniors. I walk dogs at the local mm-hmm. shelter here in, in Coopville, and it used to be years ago that um, if a dog was, you know, in the double digits, you know, 10 years old or older, uh, no one wanted them. But now there are young senior dogs that are actually being adopted, and so there's a, a kind of a nice trend happening. So that's, you know, that's important. Yes. I think that's really interesting that you've noticed that, you know, over the course of your career and mm-hmm. your your involvement with this organization right. that you have noticed that there are more older dogs being adopted. Yes, um, yes. You, you mentioned that about the foster network, that all of the different families that these dogs are placed with, how does it work, basically, like operationally? <laughs> how does that, how does that yeah. happen? <laughs> yeah. How does that happen? Well, it, it, it's almost like magic, but it's a, it's a process. We're very selective, as you can well imagine, about our fosters, and, and we, don't, we don't recruit People see our website and uh, become interested in, in fostering. And so the process that they follow is that they get an application from us and we review the application and we look for, we look for red flags. Like for instance, the, the person who would love to uh, adopt a, a 14 year old senior dog who's sick, but they live on the fourth floor of an apartment building with no elevator and they work 10 hours a day. Well, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily an ideal situation. And so, uh, but if the, if the, the initial screening process in terms of the application goes well, then we follow up with a phone call where we actually talk with the person who's interested. And then that's followed by a home visit so that we can actually see the, the, the home that the dog would be living in. And then the matching process occurs. Judith, who is one of our founders and who is our director of veterinary uh, medicine, she's magic when it comes to matching up dogs with people because uh, sometimes people have preferences. They would prefer a small dog. They would prefer a large dog. Uh, They have a fondness for cockers or whatever. And so Judith matches the 
the dog with a foster, and then we make arrangements to transport the dog from the shelter that, that the dog is currently living in, and then the process of vetting ends. The thing that, that is important, too, is that all of the dogs in our care, all of their medical expenses and so on are paid by Old Dog Haven. Uh, our foster families, are they provide love. Uh, they provide grooming, grooming if possible. Um, if there's a prescription diet food that's required, we pay for that as well. And so every dog that comes to us goes through an initial vetting process where we can determine just exactly what's going on with, with the dog and then proceed with whatever treatment is, is necessary as far as the, the dog is concerned. And how does that work with... Um like funding, because obviously funding can be quite difficult for a lot of nonprofits. <laughs> Our donors, um, it's all donations. We don't receive any money at all from the state or or federal government. We are strictly uh, operated on by donations, and so we have a we have a donor network all over the world. Who uh, people who see the website and and because what we do is what I call heart work. What we do is very appealing to people because the idea of an old dog being welcomed into a, a, a family and being a part of a family and being valued and respected is something that people like and they understand the necessity for it. And so uh, our donors have been very, very generous. And it's necessary because with well over 300 dogs, our vet expenses are over $100,000 a month. So we're, wow. talking, we're talking major money and we're not talking about heroics. I mean, we don't, we don't, uh, you know, we do hospice care. Sometimes the dogs that come to us are only with us for, you know, days, weeks, months. I once had a dog that I, don't, that I only had for six hours. But, uh, and so it's it's not a matter of keeping a dog alive. The the whole key is quality of life. If we can help the dog achieve a, a reasonably good quality of life where they are comfortable and they're loved and they're, they're secure and they're happy, then they stay until... Um, it's time for them to leave. And it's amazing that the, sometimes we'll get a dog and, and I'll talk with Judith and she'll say, oh, boy, I don't think that he's going to be with us for more than a week. And months and sometimes years later, the dog is still there because all of a sudden they have a, a home, people who love him, uh, people who value him and a family. And so life is good. And so they, they, they stay as long as they possibly can. So how... Does it work as far as it, the foster network you just mentioned? It sounds like it's all just very organic between the foster families. They want to be a part of that, especially yes. also the donors. You know, they they come to you. They they want to be a part of this organization. Um, yes. How how does everyone within the organization handle kind of the I guess the term would be compassion fatigue because I. I have an older dog myself. I love mm-hmm. him to death. I see his little face getting grayer by the day. And sure. yep. and it's just, it would be, I think, very, very hard to be caring for these senior dogs day in and day out um, for a lot of the foster families as well as the, the people who work for the organization. Well, you know, dogs live in the moment. That's one of the major lessons that they teach us, and sometimes we're slow learners, but eventually that we get it. And, and all of our foster families understand that, and so their, their mission and their goal is to be in the moment with the dog for as long as the dog is there 
and provide as many wonderful moments as they possibly can, give the dog an opportunity to be a a, a, a dog, a happy dog. And, and so so when the dog, when it's time for the dog to leave, um, yes, there's there's certainly sadness and it's very, very hard on them. But, you know, you would be amazed at the fact that fosters, I can't think of anyone in the last 15 years that hasn't fostered a dog that hasn't come back to us a week, a month, who, who knows how long later and say, I'm ready for another dog. Mm-hmm. I learned so much. I learned so much from the dog that was with me that I'd like to take care of another dog. And so what we do is we, we talk about compassion fatigue because there is that, that whole emotional connection that is very, very strong. And, and so there is, you know, there is a, a, a time of grieving and there is a time of, of adjusting and all of these kinds of things. But that living in the moment thing that dogs do so well, um, that is really the key. That makes a huge, huge difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, I talk with people all the time who who know what we do, and they say, how can you take in an older dog that isn't going to be with you for a while? And, and you know, I, I just couldn't go through that again. And my response is generally, why would you give up the beginning and the middle for the end? Because the dog, dogs understand death. They get that the death is just change, and it's a, moving on to their next expression of spirit. And so because they approach death as as um, clearly as they do, that that somehow transmits itself to us and those of us that are fostering. And we just love them to pieces as long as they're here. And then when they leave, they send somebody else. So it's, oh, a, it's a revolving door. I love how you said that. That was so beautifully expressed. And I think that would be a really great reminder for a lot of a lot of people listening myself included for if you do have a senior dog but also right. to live in the moment with your dog yes. at all times yes. and that's and that's especially difficult and i commend our fosters for being able to do this because if for instance the dog has been diagnosed with a a rapidly um, spreading cancer as an example and you know that the dog is not going to be with you for perhaps a very long time. You know, what I talk to fosters about all the time is, please don't start grieving before the dog is gone. You need mm-hmm. to be with the dog in the moment and enjoy every moment with the dog. And and then after the dog is gone, then go through your grieving process, which is a, a very necessary way of honoring the dog. And But don't do it before the dog is, has left you because they don't understand. The dogs get that the, they're so intuitive and the process of communication between a dog and a person, you know, well, you know that based on your own experience. They, uh, there's no, there's no confusion. There's no miscommunication. There's no analyzing. There's no intellectualizing. There's no, all of those things that we humans do so well and get us in trouble sometimes. With a dog, you always know where you stand. And so <laughs> it's a matter of, of, I think, taking a page out of their books. Um, So kind of going off what you just said, um, thinking about the dogs that come and go from Old Dog Haven, what do you think the top reasons a dog is surrendered to you are? And um, how do those dogs get to you? Like, is it directly to you? Or I know you work a lot with shelters. Is it primarily through those? Well, you know, it's... uh... There are several reasons why 
a, a senior dog ends up in a shelter, and and I, I can quickly just kind of go through because it's 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 never always the same thing. The possibility of one of the biggest reasons is that they the dog lives with an elderly person who moves into an assisted living that doesn't accept dogs. Heartbreaking because mm-hmm. the dog is not welcome, and yet uh, this connection between the, the person and the dog is so strong, and that's a tough one. That's a really difficult one, and the dogs go through. A process of grieving too uh, when they first come to us because they've lost their person. So there's there's there are dogs that are in that category. Other dogs have been um, a, a part of a marriage that went muck, and so neither person wants a dog, so the dogs end up in the shelter. Uh, dogs end up in a shelter and and sometimes come to us because of they've been a, in a hoarding situation and the um, animal control. Uh, raise the, the, the hoarding situation, and the dogs come to us through that. Uh, also, there are a whole um, series of dogs that come to us because of abuse and neglect and part of court cases and that kind of thing. And so it's it's a whole variety of reasons. And, and so how they come to us is that we have a, we have a working relationship with, with the shelters in western Washington. And so typically what happens is that if a shelter gets a dog that they don't think that they are going to be able to adopt because uh, with their limited uh, abilities, they don't have the kind of funding that allows them to do extensive uh, diagnostic things at at the beginning when a dog first comes to them. But if they do find that the dog has a serious illness or serious things going on that that simply uh, the average person wouldn't be able to deal with, they'll call us and they'll say, will you take this dog? And then, the, then, then our process on this end uh, kicks in in that Judith finds a match for the dog in terms of a foster. We never take a dog out of a shelter unless we have a home for him. And so, so there's never a kind of a gapping period there. And so then the dog comes to us you know, from the shelter. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's mostly, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, a networking kind of thing that we have going on with the shelters. Occasionally, if we have room, we will take a dog from an individual. We have individuals that contact us um, or families of individuals and say, my mother just died. I've got the dog temporarily, but I really can't keep the dog. Will you folks take the dog? And so if the dog fits our criteria in terms of, you know, we're looking at dogs eight years and older, and the ones that we take in that are unadoptable are usually considerably older than that. And so it's just a matter of going through the logistics and finding out if the if the dog would be a good fit. Right, right. And um, are there any resources? I know there might be people out there who are listening to this who do have an old dog who are going through some tough times at the moment. Are there any resources for them that you can recommend that they can look into before they get to the point of surrender? Right. Well, now tell me what you mean by resources. Um, well, I guess it depends on why they need to rehome. Um, right. But if they're having right. financial issues, if they can't pay for medical bills, or yes, um, and that's very and that's struggling. very common as well. That's very common as well. I've, I, uh, uh, and that's another situation that is so difficult because that there there are people who uh, you know, as dog aged like we humans, things go wrong, and so um, the medical bills mount up and people are unable to unable to pay the medical bills. So so that is often a, a reason why 
why someone is forced to um, surrender their dog to a shelter or look for uh, a, a situation. And and there are, you know, there are on occasion, if, if people can look online, there are on occasion uh, some financial assistance available for, for dogs with various different organizations, but it 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 really depends on where you live and what's going on and what kind of financial assistance the person needs. Mm-hmm. So it's it's uh, it, it really is a, a case by case situation. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, especially if you are having some financial issues, getting help initially is fine. But I guess it would also depend on in the future, like how. How is the situation going to change in the future? So yes, you can exactly. Afford yes, future exactly. medical. Yeah, mm. yeah, and and that's a that's a real tough one for people because our hearts go out to them because if they are in a situation where initially and for many years they were able to afford the vet expenses and the kinds of things necessary to take care of a dog, and then their circumstances changed and now they can't, and so now it's a situation of. Um, you know what what we like to what we like to to think about and and applaud people sorry it's <laughs> okay we welcome the dog noises <laughs> they, they are they are um, my wildlife wardens they saw deer out in the yard and so it's their obligation to tell the world that that's happening um, everybody has has a job um, let's see. What was I saying? Um, the resources. It depends on if if that right. people can handle. Yeah, it depends on the it depends on the situation. And and you know we are we are uh, very happy that people have the best interests of the dog at heart. Where um, as is happens sometimes, people will just uh, you know leave the dog in the woods or f- take the dog somewhere and drop the dog off and just hope that the dog is going to be okay. But if they bring the dog to the shelter, at least that there's a possibility of perhaps adoption from the shelter if the dog is is young enough, or the shelter would call us and say, do you have room for such and such? And then we scramble to see what we can do. And we always have a waiting list. Right now, this is an unusual situation at this moment because many of the shelters... um, have no dogs right now because they have they have uh, put them in the care of of people connected to the shelter as a foster home. I think the last time that I checked, there was only one dog in the Tacoma shelter, which is a huge, huge shelter. Wow! And yeah, yeah. and so, um, but because of the virus situation, they you know they have um, because they closed the shelter, and so they make sure that the dogs are cared for by having them with foster people. But at least under normal circumstances, you know, if the person is concerned about the dog and takes the dog to the shelter, they know that at least the shelter will will keep the dog safe and make an effort to find a home for the dog. That's true. I didn't I didn't think about it in that way. You know, I think a lot of people will will want to keep their dog, of course, for as long as possible. But sometimes is that in best interest of the dog and you know, surrendering to a shelter or an organization sometimes can actually be the best thing for them, yes. even though it may yes. feel shameful for the person. Yes. Um, yes. So when Izzy and I worked at the shelter, some of the older small dogs we'd get in, you know, didn't didn't really enjoy walking on a leash or would only prefer 
wet food over kibble. Right. Is there any trends or commonalities that you see amongst all the senior dogs that come into uh, Old Dog Haven's care, like such as breed or medical or behavioral issues? Yeah, it's 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 uh, it, it's pretty much a mixed bag. But the the medical things, probably the the one thing that we see consistently is dental disease. I mean, I can't even tell you uh, how long it's been since when we did our initial, you know, examination of a dog when the dog first came in that there wasn't some serious dental work needing to be done. And it's not at all uncommon with with some of the smaller breeds for the for all of the teeth that need to be removed simply because they're uh, they're diseased and the dog is quite ill because of the dental disease. So I would say that that dental disease is way at the top of the list. I mean, we do a dental on practically every single dog that comes. Um, the other thing uh, with dogs that have not been spayed or neutered is that there is just predictably mammary masses with the females that are very often cancerous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as often as we talk to people about spay and neuter your dog, please, because it ends up down the road as being, a you know, a health issue for the dog. So those, that's a, another commonality. Arthritis, serious mobility issues for dogs that are, uh, some of the larger dogs, for instance, have difficulty getting around. And so they're on medication in order to help them um, be comfortable in terms of moving and, and so on. And and many of the dogs that come to us haven't really had much vet care in a long time. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. get a mouth that's so diseased that every single tooth has to be pulled if you've seen if your dog has seen a, uh, a vet for a dental uh, recently or once a year or five years or whatever, you know, many of the dogs that we, that we get in, we can tell that they haven't had any kind of vet care at all for years. And so, so it's a matter of, of dealing with what, you know, with what goes on in, in, that, in that realm of things. So dentals and the uh, results of not spaying and neutering, arthritis, uh, very often there are our liver and and kidney issues that range from mild to severe, which you know the key is the fact that we're able to treat them we're able to provide uh, medication for for these kinds of things that come along and very often surgery is required. We have a a, a special fund called the Miranda Fund that was named after a dog that we took in many many years ago um, a young senior that actually we ended up adopting back in those days. And she needed surgery that was we couldn't afford. It was just way too expensive. And so we got together and raised the money. And so now, now we have this special fund called the Miranda Fund. And so if a dog comes along that needs um, a really expensive surgical procedure that was that's not typically part of our normal uh, vet expenses, we have the money to be able to do that. If the the prognosis is good. I mean, we, we're we not going to do a crapshoot in terms of thinking, well, maybe this will help. We need reassurance from the vet to say, if we do this ACL surgery, is this going to be an improvement as far as the dog is concerned? And so, so that, you know, that happens as far as that's concerned. Yeah, it seems like you guys really look into all of the health issues of the dog. Oh, we and- do. We have a very, we have a very extensive, uh, our intake exam is um, the, the foster who's taking a dog to the to the vet for the first time. And, and it usually happens within a week after they come to their new home. 
we usually try to give them a couple of days to be, you know, to get adjusted and so on, uh, unless they're very ill. And sometimes they go directly to the vet from the shelter. It's that bad. But uh, it's a it's a, a whole process. I mean, there's blood work done. There's there are X-rays if necessary, and everything that we can in terms of a diagnostic tool. And then once we once we have a clear picture of what's going on, then we know what kind of medication the dog needs, what kind of surgery, if any. And so we have a really clear picture of what's happening. And then, of course, there's the constant vet checks that happen during the course of the dog's life with us. And so it's a, it's a very thorough and an extensive process. I used to work at a veterinary office, and one of the foster parents would come in with her multitude mm-hmm. of Old yes. Dog Haven dogs. And I, I mean, the amount of hair that went into them, you know, I kind of worked in the front desk at the time. So I would, you know, we block off the full hour to make sure, mm-hmm. you know, everyone could be seen and all of yes. the things could be documented. And it was yep. just so thorough in comparison to maybe a lot of the other patients you know, dogs that we would see right, that right. were more of the, the healthy four-year-old, oh, here's your flea and tick monthly, and here's your vaccine, right, exactly. and you're out the door. And so I think that personally prepared me a lot for understanding the amount of medical care and potential additional expense that would come with my dog as he ages. So speaking of the, the money that goes into it, I understand you guys had to cancel your annual fundraising walk. Oh, we did. And I don't know whether next year in July, you both have to somehow figure out a way to get to Cromwell Park in Shoreline because this is this is a happening that is an experience. It, yes, it's a fundraiser because people form teams and, and we have uh, corporate sponsors that, that give us money to put the, the, event, the event on. But ladies, it is just the most wonderful thing to see, you know, well over 500 people with their dogs so proud of their dogs. And it's not all just senior dogs either. I mean, everyone is welcome. And we have this afternoon in the park where there is the actual walk where there's a parade and we have we award prizes to the people who raise the most money. And, and we have a little pageant where we do the best costume and best trick and all that kind of thing. But because of the the virus this year and the event is in, in July, we felt it just is not, even though the social distancing restrictions may be lifted by then, um, it's just not socially responsible for us to even think about doing that because that many people gathered together in one place, even if it is outside, it's not good. But it's the, uh, the walk for old dogs and look for look for publicity about it um, starting next April. We have a we special, web, special yes. website for people to, um, to donate and to form a team and come and you see every amount imaginable breed. It's the largest gathering of senior dogs in one place, I think, ever. Oh, that's lovely. So next year, next July. Yes, we will be there. Good, good. Hopefully we'll have a booth. (laughs) Yes, yeah. (laughs) We'll have a team, we'll fundraise. That'd be great. That would be absolutely absolutely wonderful. It's fun. We will definitely start preparing for next year, but what alternative do you guys have this year if people do want to donate? I think you guys have something to give big, is that right? Right. Well, our, we're, we're kind of depending on give big, which happens next week, I think it is, May 5 and May 6. It's kind of a, a national day of giving where people uh, give to their charities. And so for us this year, uh, it's become a big deal because we, we won't have the funds from the walk. So give big is a way for people to support us and to help us as far as our dogs are concerned. And, and so I've given you the link for the 
the uh, uh, the way that people can go directly to the to the, the Give Big website. Uh, people that can actually start donating now. They have an early giving period that started on the 15th and goes through the the fourth. Um, but the actual days of giving will be May 5 and May 6 this year. Perfect. Yeah, I think we'll definitely put that link in the show notes for anyone who's That'd interested. That'd be great. That yeah, would be great. So, yes, that so would be wonderful. Donate. Um, I think that was all of my questions that I have for you, artists. Izzy, did you have any more? Um, no, I think we covered everything that we wanted to. I'm just having okay. a quick look through our notes here. Our, yeah. our website, which I, I think I think you have the link to the website as well. That's a wonderful source of information for people who are interested in what we do. It's very comprehensive if they're interested in fostering. We're always looking for volunteers. We always need people to transport dogs. We, we send a handwritten thank you note to every one of our donors. So we always we have a team of thank you note writers, and we're always looking for people to help with events. And so if people will go to our website, which is olddoghaven.org, there would be all kinds of uh, ways for them to get involved depending on what it is that they'd like to do. And so we're just happy to happy to have us be a part of someone's life. We have a large extended family. Well, I think it sounds okay. like a, such an amazing organization. As you said, it is a family. And yes. I think it would be a family that anyone would want to be a part of, especially with the mission that you guys have. And I think that's the perfect way to end our little interview here. Thank you so much for speaking to us today. We're just happy that we can support Old Dog Haven and hopefully spread the word to our listeners. Thank you both for doing this and for being so interested in caring about dogs. Oh, definitely. That's that's wonderful. All right, artists. Well, this has been amazing. As I said, I'll definitely follow up with you with all of those links. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, take care and have a good rest of your day. You bet. Thank you. Bye, artists. Bye. All right, everyone, I hope you enjoyed that episode about Old Dog Haven. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Each review we receive, we will donate $10 to Old Dog Haven through the Give Big campaign they're taking part in. So once again, any reviews submitted April 29th, 2020, when this episode comes out, until the evening of May 5th, May, excuse me, May 6th, 2020, we will donate $10 towards Old Dog Haven for each review submitted during that time frame. Also, sometimes the reviews can take 24 hours from when they're submitted by you to when we can see them. So it's better to get them in sooner rather than later. Uh, thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next Wednesday. All content on With a Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist.